0: and welcome again to Oscar Mike Radio. I'm the host. My name is Travis. Oscar Mike Radio is part of the Hubazoo Network. You can find out more on hubazoo.com. And as usual, I can't thank my sponsors and supporters enough. Joyce ASEC of ASEC Real Estate, Reaper Detailing and Power Washing, Simper Savage, Kason Shaving Company, and Bottom Gun Coffee. And I cannot begin to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, how excited I am right now. This has taken over two years to happen. This man sitting to my left, maybe right on your screen, but it has taken two years to get here. May I introduce Guy Binsing to Oscar awesome Mike Radio? Guy, welcome.
1: Oh, thank you, thank you, man. Uh, my nickname's the Hawaii Blues Fan, so um, you know. Like I said, I, I, you know, I'm smiling about it. It's not laughing. It's the fact that, you know, we both made a commitment to this and we stuck through it. So that's why I'm smiling about it.
0: Yeah. You've been doing this for a while. So we're going to get into what this is. You see all that blue back there, which he can explain, but you know, you're, you're a veteran, you served in the Navy. Why don't you start us off with, you know, your, your military service, if you would.
1: Okay. Um, I joined the Navy in 1987 out of high school. I actually went to uh, a military high school. I went to St. Louis NJRODC, Naval Junior Reserve Officer Training Corps at Cleveland High School. I was one, in one of the first few classes of that, so we were a pilot program. Unfortunately, this year was the last year of that program, so it lasted 30-something years. Um, I joined the Navy. I was a gas turbine system mechanic, uh, served at my, my first duty station was in Norfolk served uh, two years over there and then I ended up in Japan for the for the Gulf War served on the USS Mobile Bay back during the Gulf War in uh, 1991 spent nine years out of the next 10 or 12 in in Japan uh, spent my last four in uh, Hawaii and retired here
0: awesome awesome so you're a St. Louis Blues fan in the state of Hawaii yes sir Awesome. Awesome. And just out of curiosity, you know, you, you, you get out and you settle in Hawaii. What was that transition like?
1: Um, actually, I, I'm still transitioning, to be honest with you. And I've been out since 2007. Um, you know, it, it's been a real it, the transition for me has been tough. Right. Um, didn't have the greatest military career. And uh, some of those regrets, some of those things that had happened in my military career have continued to follow me. Um in, in 2018, um, I, I'd been out for 11 years and it just all caught up and I had a breakdown. I, I had a, a complete mental breakdown. And um, you know, I got I got within 170 feet of joining the 22. Right? I mean that's how that's how close I got. And uh uh I started getting some help after that and I was in a group on Facebook called 22 until none. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and I started going to group meetings and I didn't want to go. I, I was not comfortable. So and a couple other guys had talked about it. So I ended up doing these Facebook lives on the 22 until none. And it didn't get really like great response, but they did get some response. And I thought, well, you know, this isn't too bad. Why not just try and do this on with the blues, with, with my hockey team, the hockey team I love. And in October, I want to say it was October 12th. It was the a blues game against um, Calgary. I started, I started my show. And at that time I called it uh, the pregame rant <laughs> and it's, and it's had a few name changes since then. And it's now called the name that I've settled on uh, on game days, I call it the blue note fan report. And on uh, non-game days, I call it the Hockey Fan Report.
0: Well, So, did the starting the show kind of help you bounce back in a way? I know you're still transitioning. Yeah. It's very interesting you said that, but it sounds like getting this hockey show really kind of helped you find something. It, it, it did. It was my therapy.
1: Right. It, it really it really was my therapy. It was it was my my chance to get out and, 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 and do something and, and do something that I was comfortable with. Um, what had set off my uh, episode was I had lost my job, you know, and, and I had no prospects and, and a lot of other things. Um, a, a lot of ugliness bubbled to the surface. Right. I mean, a lot of ugliness bubbled to the surface. This happened in, in February. And I don't start going to group until July, right? So, so there's that period. And while even in that period, I wasn't comfortable in my own skin, very, was not comfortable. I was working seven days a week to write, delivering food. I worked for pizza hut and then I worked for bike squad at the time delivering food. That was the only way I could make money. I, I was not a disay. I wasn't considered a disabled vet yet. I had never filed, um, I, and finally, people convinced me to start fi- to file, right? And, and that's what I did. And, and in this period is when I finally get my, I, I first get, you know, it's the first time that the depression and the PTSD and the anxiety that I had dealt with for decades was acknowledged. Because while I was in the service, it was, it was swept under a rug consistently.
0: So, right. so this was something that happened before you went into the service.
1: Um, I, 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 I say I probably had um, a little bit of it there, but the service exacerbated it.
0: Gotcha, right, gotcha, Really gotcha. took
1: it. And then um, during the Gulf War, during that first Gulf War, a lot of people look at the guys in the Navy and don't think that, you know, we were really out there. My ship, we saw the coast of Kuwait every single night. We were the closest ship to kuwait and we were in a minefield for 40 something days
0: the navy was in a minefield right but they were also doing shore-based shelling i mean you
1: guys we we did a little bit of that we what our 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 operations was more um the the oil fields we were the first ship since korea i think korea to fire on another ship in anger I mean, actually, fire on a ship. We 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 fired on gunboats, and sunk gunboats during during one of the nights. So so for me, it, it was that you know hearing the guns all the time, um, being under the waterline. Um, I wrote about it in a story I wrote on my buddies here, the Blues Warriors. Um, we can talk yeah, about that
0: talk later. Yeah, I want to talk about that. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I'm I'm an honorary member of this since I'm living in Hawaii. But they've
0: I love it. I freaking love it.
1: Right. Got got me my own, When I was home in August, they got me my own jersey and uh put my my ship number on there for me. Um, but I, I wrote about this in, in what on, and you can find it on stlfanreport.com. I have a couple articles about my naval service there. One night, you know, I remember hearing a big old hunk of metal bounce against the side of the skin of the ship in the engine room. And, and, and to be honest with you, I thought I was dead. I honestly, I mean, I, I remember being as white as a sheet, um, you know, somebody coming down to me and going, man, what's wrong? And I, I'm telling him and he's like, I didn't think nothing of it yet for me. You know, I slept my 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 rack was right along the skin of the ship. I had a hard time sleeping uh, instead of, you know, our racks are six foot tall. I'm six, two. I ball up a little bit. I would completely ball up. I mean, I'd be as, as close to balled up. So if something happened, I would get, you know, knocked out of my rack, you know, and, and that you don't realize how that wears on you over time. And I still sleep that way. I, I, I have to sleep balled up. I can't stretch out.
0: No, I've met some Navy guys who say they adopt a certain sleeping position in, on the ships and they never changed. They never changed. You, you go through all this. Let's back up a little bit. Where does the love for the blues and hockey come into your life?
1: Uh, when I was probably six or seven years old, right? I was born in St. Louis, right? I'm from St. Louis. Um, my grandfather who worked at the brewery was a betting man and he loved the horses, but he also figured out that hockey was at that time was pretty easy to bet on, right? Um, And a lot of the the bookies didn't have great information on the teams. So he started going to games to talk to players before games and then calling, you know, going to the pay phone and calling his bookie and and placing bets. Right. Um, So he took, he would take me to games and because he would sit down low, I got to sit down low and I remember going in the, um, you know, early 70s, 73, 74, 75 when I was, you know, four, five, six years old and, and maybe a little bit, you know, up until seven and eight and, and watching the games and the smell of the ice, it never leaves you. Right. When, when you walk into an arena and it doesn't matter if it's a uh, uh, an NHL arena, uh, a minor league arena or a local skate park, though, when you smell that ice, that fresh ice, it hits you and it never leaves you. And, and I just so remember that and, and, and it just gripped me and I've been a hockey fan ever since,
0: you know? Well, cause that's one of the first things everybody that I noticed about guy is I'm like, okay, this is a dyed in the wool blues fan. And the reason I, I kind of chuckle at that is, you know, they've kind of been the redheaded stepchildren to the Blackhawks. And then when the Predators came in your division, you know, the prayers were the new kids in the block. It's like Mm -hmm. the blues have always had to kind of like struggle for attention.
1: Yep. Um, since the, well, we, we had our, we had a a period where we really had attention and that was the Brett Hall years.
0: Yeah. Right.
1: He, he brought, he brought, he saved St. Hockey in St. Louis, right. Mm -hmm. He, He basically saved hockey in St. Louis and the building that they're in now. I mean, that's the building that he built. Right. Um, but, but in in two thousand and six, right after the uh, two thousand and four lockout, two thousand five, two thousand six, we had an owner that was really bad, sold off the team, and, and really placed the team into Netherlands. And it took us until two thousand and nineteen to really regain that. And, and even two thousand and nineteen was just—I mean, that was the first year I just started my show, eighteen nineteen season. Um, what a magical season to start a, a, a podcast, you know, and, and to do something like this. And, you know, my podcast still struggles. I, I, I'm lucky if I get 25 viewers, you know, but I don't care because for me, I get to talk about what I love. I get to take my opinion out there and I get to hear others' opinions.
0: So, well, so it might be 25 viewers, whatever you want to call it. But look, I, I'm, I'm a Blackhawks fan. I follow the Bruins. But I am like, When you get other Bruins fans on your, you know, stream to talk with you or on the chat, these are like, you know, hardcore, we are blues fans. And it's really cool to see that Yeah, you brought this community together. And so, you know, does the show now give you an outlet for a lot of your, you know, challenges in the past and allow you to create something that's truly yours? This is all you. Yeah, no, it does.
1: It, it does. It's still my therapy. It's, it's always going to be my therapy, right? It, it's going to be the thing that, that I look at. And uh, when I was a kid, see, this was something else that goes into this. When I was a, a kid, I got diagnosed with something known as Gershman syndrome. And it's a learning disability that affects your ability to write. Well, back then, not much was known about it. And basically, they just said, you don't have to write anymore. Well, I use that crutch all through my life. Not realizing that, you know, I, I told myself stories in my head all the time, right? And and, and I loved, and I, I would read articles, and I think, man, I could do something better, but then I'd have this mental block. And um, I got offered a, a chance to join a group, and, and I thought it was just podcasting, what they wanted me to write. So I challenged myself, and I wrote wrote an article. It's now on my website called um, "How Hockey Saved Me," uh, and it's about me following Brett Hull's chase for 50 gold and 50 games in the 1991 season during the Gulf war. And it, it, it's always had an impact on, on me and hockey's had an impact on me and how I do things and living in Hawaii for a while. I forgot that. I lost that.
0: Right. Is, is there any hockey in Hawaii at all?
1: Yes. We, we have Get an out. ice rink. We have an ice rink. We have, a couple of beer leagues. Unfortunately, it's closed right now with COVID. But since they're lifting restrictions, I look forward to to open up soon.
0: I would right? never. I would never in my wildest dreams. I mean, I, I served in Yuma, Arizona, when the Kylies were getting going. So all of a sudden, the hockey came to Arizona. But Hawaii has to be the last place in Earth. I would think there'd be a hockey rink. Well, this is this is amazing.
1: Yeah. So, no, it's. It's not big here. It's not big here at all. I mean, and the majority of the people that play are, uh, you know, military members. That's the majority of the people that play. Uh, there's an inline um, inline hockey rink up in, on, on this island and in, in the far parts of this island uh, that gets a pretty good crowd, but it's the same thing. You know, it, it's, there's some locals, but it's mainly uh, transplants that, that build it. Yeah.
0: What is it that makes hockey just a great sport to participate in and watch? I try to tell people that, and I didn't play hockey growing up. I played a little inline hockey in the Marine Corps. But there's something that sets hockey apart from other sports and other pro sports.
1: Um, for me, it's it's the, it, it's really hard to say. It's It's a chess game on a sheet of ice. Okay. Right. And, and a lot of people don't see that. They don't understand that. Um, you know, they think football is a chess game and it's football to me is nowhere near the chess game that hockey is.
0: I would agree. Be- I would agree.
1: Because hockey, everything's happening at once and you have to adjust to those things happening. Like I talk um, on my show consistently about the neutral zone and how important it is. And I compare that to those or four squares of a chess board, right? And anyone that's serious about chess will tell you that those are the squares that you have to control to win a chess game. Well, it's the same thing with the hockey, with hockey, you have to control the center of the ice and you're doing this on a, on, on a micro thin blade at 20 miles an hour. Right. Um, slap with a puck that that's hard going 90 miles an hour. Right. And with bodies, 200 pound bodies crashing into each other at 20 miles an hour. Um, I remember seeing something on sports science where they compared the hits in the sports. And and the hit of a hockey got up to three Gs. Three times the force of a gravity. That was what a hit in hockey was compared. And, and I think football was at like one G and basketball was negative five Gs. Right? I think they put a uh a uh a catcher collision at at like a G and a half.
0: Well, it's just the whole neutral zone chess game, understanding how, um, you know, icing works and how the defense has to play off the offense in real time. Right. You know, yeah, we, we like watching the Fords and they're they're the flash and dash guys, but you know, a defender will make and break you, you know, the psychology of a goaltender like, I would read stuff about how goaltenders really are wired differently than they have to be, right? Right. This, yeah, this whole, uh,
1: well, first of all, uh, a goaltender and a catcher are kind of the same. You know, they say the same thing about catchers, right? And, and to me, probably the greatest defensive catcher in the league, if not the greatest catcher, is Yadier Molina. Yeah. A- and Yadier, he has, when he's behind the plate, his mentality changes. He's, he's a different person behind the plate than he is when he's not, when he's not behind the plate. And, and he has to, 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 to portray that. And he's got to have that air of superiority sometimes. Well, uh, a hockey goalie, you have to understand that they're wearing these pads, these, these, and they're letting this, this hard rubber puck get fired at them at 90 miles. Alan Guinness would fire the puck at 110 miles an hour, 110 miles an hour. Think about this, this puck traveling a hundred feet or, or, or even less than that, 70 feet at a hundred miles an hour. How quick that gets there. Right,
0: And, and, and at least stop it or try to get in front of it on purpose. Yeah,
1: Right. and, and purposely get in front of it, you know, and start, you I know, catch it or, or knock it out of the way. You know, it, it just these guys have got to have a different mindset and then they've got to be a quarterback. They've got to be a catcher. They've got, excuse me. They've got to constantly pay attention. And that one of the, one of the most infamous moments in blues history is because a goaltender wasn't paying attention. Right. And I think you, I think you know what I'm talking about. Game seven, the second round, and I want to say it was ninety-five or ninety-six playoffs against Detroit. Right, John Casey's in net. Uh, Grant Fuhr's injured. Uh, they take it all the way to double overtime, and Stevie Eiserman notices that Casey's not paying attention. Fires the puck from the blue line and ends that game and that series right that but that but they don't make it to the uh, to the
0: playoffs because that series just took so much out of them it comes down to that much and it's just you know i'm like it, it's a different kind of game it's a different kind of game you know i didn't understand a lot of it when i first you know got to the northeast yeah um but i i really admired the athleticism and then when my kids started playing i got a whole new appreciation for it, that, that that these you know, yeah, they start them young in football and basketball, but, I mean, you'd see toddlers on milk crates skating and then come back five years later, and there's natural to them. Yeah. And, and that's what it takes to do that. It's, that's what it takes to do that. So, you, you know, it's, it's a really interesting, fascinating game that you're talking about here, and it's a really fascinating team. Now, is St. Louis is, is or is not one of the original eight?
1: No, they're not one of the original okay. six of the second six,
0: second right? Six. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Right? They, they were the they, – they, there's an, an interesting thing. If it wasn't for the Chicago Blackhawks, there wouldn't be a St. Louis Blues. Really? Yes. So back in, in 66, 67, when they were getting ready to do this expansion, the Works family owned the arena in St. Louis. It was in disrepair. It was that they wanted to get rid of it. So they went to the NHL and told the NHL, if you want us to stay in the league, you're going to give St. Louis a team and tell them that they got to buy the arena from us. So St. Louis didn't even bid, didn't even put in a bid for that team. They were awarded the team. Sid Solomon's son thought it was really cool and convinced his dad to buy the team to, to, to make the bid and buy the arena. And they put the money into it. So if it wasn't for the Blackhawks, there wouldn't be a blues. And this is why this is part of the reason with the rivalry that built rivalry. up. Right. And not only that, the Blackhawks went to the or won the championship two years before expansion. Right. Expansion hit them really, really hard. They lost Glenn Hall. They lost, they lost some other guys that, 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 that hit them really, really hard. And they didn't win another Stanley Cup until 2013 or two, what, 2010.
0: Yeah, yeah. Right.
1: So they had this really long streak of not winning a cup. But that connection between them is what drove that rivalry to what it is today.
0: It's, it's a huge rivalry, huge.
1: It, it's probably the best in the NHL or the most underrated in the NHL.
0: Everybody talks about the uh, Canadians and the Bruins hating each other detroit hates everybody but no i'm like the blues blackhawks is you can tell that they're they're ready for that game they bring it the the chippiness up a little bit and the refs kind of let them slug it out which is nice oh yeah
1: i i tell people you know right now a lot of blues fans are real happy that, that chicago's having their struggles i tell them i want chicago to be good really because it makes the rivalry better
0: and Chicago used to be good, man. I mean, they were good for—I mean, I mean, not like Stanley Cups every year, but they were in the playoffs year after year yeah. after year. And a lot of us, including myself, took it for granted. They let you know Coach Q go, and well, we're we're seeing, you know, the, the gutting of the team. I mean, it's going to be a different team. But you know, you're 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 doing this right. You decide to create this show.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And here's what, here's where I really kind of want you to spend some time with me is. I, I I've been doing this for a while. You've been doing this for a while, but I don't think people really appreciate what it takes to say, I'm going to do this and then do it for not a couple of months or a season, but for years, you've been this for years. Yeah. So what goes into this, this drive to create your show and maybe five people watch it, maybe 200 people watch it, but, yeah. but what's it mean to you to create your report and talk about the game you love?
1: Okay. Well, my show is, my show's morphed a lot, right? Yeah. So it started out as just this little live pre-game rant that I recorded and put in groups. And then I, I found some uh, software that would allow me to add, you know, video editing software. So I started doing a little of that and I, I really got into that for a while, but it would take, I mean, to do a 30 to hour, out 30 minute to an hour show, it would take eight to 12 hours. Of filming and editing that it, 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 it got to be too much. And um, when I wasn't working, I had the time or I was driving, I could do it at night and get the show out before a game and things like that. But last season, after the um, COVID break and all of that, I just decided to start doing live shows, right. Uh, where I would do, I did pregame and I did postgame, but then people started asking me to come on during the intermission. So I basically became a, a live version of, you know, the pregame, postgame, and intermission shows, but instead of just the talking heads talking, you're able to respond back with me. The other thing is my show it's in and of itself is my connection to blues fans. Right? I live 4,000 miles away from the center of, of blues hockey. It, it, it's not there for me. Um, this is my connection to that. I have some friends now, and I don't mean this in any negative way to other people. I have friends now that I've either never met or met once through the show that are closer to me than people I've known 30, 40 years.
0: Here's the thing, though, right? You've got the, the, these people that are, are fans. And this is this is the one thing about sport that a lot of people miss. It's it's not just you know a game, it's a way for people to connect over something, right? It's not just a piece of cloth. St. Louis is part of who you are. I mean, yeah, uh, I, I, uh, you know, I grew up in Illinois about three hours from St. Louis. We'd go to the arch and all that stuff, and uh, you know, it, it, was, it was a part of the heartland, right? Yeah, and and it connects you now. So, here's my thing you've got these people and friends you met over the blues. What's it like, you know, seeing the Blues do their thing? And what do you think of them as a team right now?
1: Uh, th- this season is one of those that I came into. I, I wasn't counting them as a-, a-, a favorite, right, as a contender. I, I thought that they could – they were a playoff team, uh, that they they had some things that – they had a lot of question marks. One of the question marks was goaltending. Um, they had some question marks with Vladimir Tarashenko. Uh a lot of those questions have been answered. Some haven't uh, goaltending is still being answered, but I, right now they're where they're sitting. I think that they're a contender. I think they're one of the, I say with two months to go, there's eight teams in the league that I would call contenders Okay. Right. that, that I think have a chance at the cup. Um, just, just off the top of my head, you have Florida, Tampa Bay, and um, Toronto in, the Atlantic. I think that they're contenders in the Metro. Um, you have, for me, it's only Carolina. Um, unfortunately, uh, Pittsburgh and and the Rangers, they're, they're kind of like clocked up there and and one of them's going to get knocked out right away and then have to face Carolina. So to me, that, that kind of takes them out of there. They're, They're more in the pretender group than they are the contender group. Um, In the Pacific, you have Calgary right now. I know a lot of people were high on Vegas, but Vegas has had some injuries. And it all depends on if those injuries get healthy. Um, They're kind of taking the Tampa Bay route and using the LTIR to hopefully help them in the playoffs. I just don't think that they're strong enough as a team to have those players come back and help them in the, in the playoffs. Uh, Calgary there is is the one that I think there. And then in the central, I think you have three teams that you could be considered contenders. Uh, Colorado is by far the favorite. Uh, Then you have St. Louis and Minnesota. Those are the teams that I consider the favorites right now. Four of those teams are probably going to get knocked out in the first round. Right. More more than likely two, if not uh, let's see, one, two, uh, anywhere from two to four of those teams are gonna get knocked out in the first round.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. Uh good chance you have um you have uh excuse me. You have um Tampa Bay and uh not Florida, who's I forgot the the other team was now. Toronto, Toronto, Toronto playing each other in the first round. One of them teams getting knocked out, right? Uh, you got St. Louis, Minnesota playing each other in the first round. One of those teams gets knocked out. Uh, a number one seed usually gets knocked out in the first round. Very rare do all four of them move into the second round. So you're looking at, at contenders that could get knocked out very, very early. That, that's one of the things that I love about the NHL more than any other is their team – a lot of people, when they look at at the, the teams, they think that the division is like this, right? Between the top team and the bottom team. What they don't realize is they're really looking at it like a microscope. They think it's the Grand Canyon. To me, it's a stream, right? It's so close that, you know, on any given night, any team can beat any other team. And really any team can win a seven game series, depending on, you know, all the, Stuff that goes with it.
0: Look what happened to Boston last year, and then uh, Toronto the year before. Toronto gave Tampa Bay everything they could handle. Yep. It was just, um, a yeah, couple of bad bounces the puck, and we're looking at Toronto making it further than. Well,
1: yeah, but look at well, look at Toronto just last year. Yeah, right. They had, the, I mean, Montreal they had them down three to one. Yeah. Then they, you know, Montreal ends up coming back, winning those three games. Uh, the, the injury, the injury to uh, Traveras hurt them a lot. Um, Traveras got hit, got hit in the head on, an, on a, a non, it wasn't, it wasn't, an, it wasn't a, the hit wasn't a dirty hit, but it was an accidental hit is what it was. Uh, but he gets hit in the head, concussion, he's out. Uh, Montreal ends up running all the way to the finals and, and takes, you know, gets, steals one from Tampa Bay before they double up. But, you know, it does, it's just you never know. In 19, St. Louis' is run, right? I, I mean, you go back and you look at, at the beginning of those playoffs and not one. You're not going to find one outside of St. Louis, one um, pundit that said St. Louis was going to win that
0: cup. Not one. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's what makes the game so great. I just want to touch on the fans real quick. I mean, one thing I noticed is, you know, baseball fans are kind of wishy-washy. Football fans are, are a little bit more solid. But, you know, if you say that you're a, a fan of the Detroit Red Wings, you're getting buried with that Georgian octopus in your cactus, right? I mean, yeah. in, in your casket, right? You, you really believe that there's something that separates the hockey fan. The one thing that I liked was uh, last year when the New York Islanders fans got up and sang the national anthem, you know, with that person, the crowd, the whole whole arena was, was lit up. Uh, I mean, in your mind, what separates a hockey fan from another type of sports fan?
1: Um, For me, it's the, first of all, the buildings themselves, the older buildings, right? The older buildings, they were very, very small. And the way they were designed is you sat on top of each other, right? So you had to really understand the, the closeness and you got to know your neighbors. You got to know people around you. you. You, you, it was, it was very intimate, right? And as the league expanded that intimacy really didn't go away. And then in the nineties, when all these new buildings start coming in uh, the United center, Uh, the enterprise. I know Boston got a new one in the nineties. I know Madison square garden got its upgrade in the nineties, you know, in in the nineties, you had a lot of these buildings getting upgraded to where they expanded and opened it up. But that, that closeness didn't go away. Right. That, that neighborliness didn't go away and hockey because of and 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 I, I, a lot of I'm not a fan of the fighting. I, I'm really not. I understand it. I'm a fan of physicality, not fighting. But I understand it and, and that that physicality, that fighting connects people for some reason. You know, it's a schoolyard, right? Um two guys start pushing in the schoolyard, and what do you hear? Fight, 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 fight. And, you know, everyone comes around. Well, hockey's the same way. Fight, fight, fight. And everybody in the arena gets into it. It's that fight mentality. Well,
0: I, I remember when the Dallas Stars, because I was living in Louisiana at the time, came to Dallas, and they were worried that no one down there would like it. You know, they got into a couple of fights, and all of a sudden, you know, you, you got women in Shreveport, Louisiana, you yeah. know, making sure Mike Madonna was okay. It, it, it's crazy, right? But well, I definitely agree with you. Uh, I've gone to the TD Garden to uh, with my kids, watch a couple of Bruins games, and everybody is keyed in. You know, no matter where they sit, you don't have a lot of other fans getting to buy tickets. And it's it's really great that way. Um, it's just a different Well a- actually
1: there 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 are some teams that travel really, really well. Yeah. Uh there's a few teams out there that have limited how you buy tickets. Uh Nashville's one. You cannot buy a ticket to a Nashville game unless you have an area code on your phone that is in that area code. Um, just like what LA, the Rams did with the, with the uh, NFC championship, right? There, there's a few teams that do that, but there are teams that travel really well. St. Louis is a team that travels well. Chicago travels well. Boston travels well. Um, Toronto travels okay. Uh, the borderline makes it a little bit harder right now. Uh, the, the Rangers travel well, but there are teams that you will get to travel well. And then yesterday, you had the uh, outdoor game, the stadium series in Nashville, and Tampa Bay had. You know, that, those guys traveled up there, so you're getting this culture. You're getting this hockey culture. You know, to where, you know, I want to go to that other building. I want to feel that excitement. I've been in. I've been in other buildings. I've been in. Um, I was in the first. I was at Chicago Stadium the first time. Or not the stadium. I was in the stadium for the last Blackhawks game ever against Toronto. That game seven first round loss. Um, I had just come back from Japan. My wife was pregnant at the time, and I ended up winning the chance to buy tickets. So I bought them. Right. Uh, that's how they did it up at Great Lakes at the time. You know, you you put your name in a lottery, and if you got picked, you you had to, you get to buy the tickets. Right. Um, I had those and then uh, what was the, uh, I kind of lost where um, I've, I reenlisted before Cardinals Cubs game in the, in Wrigley field. So I've had that experience both ways, right? Uh, upper deck of Wrigley field. That was a lot of fun. Um, actually I re-enlisted a day after I got out because <laughs> the game was the day after. So they kind of put my dates back a day. Right. So, but, but it was, it was, it was, it was an interesting time. Sports is something that can connect everybody yeah. and it doesn't have the negativity of news. Right. right. Like guys I know that were really into the news of the day, the news people, they always felt like they had some negativity around it, but the guys that were in the sports didn't seem to have that negativity. Right. And that's why I kind of, I needed to get away from some of that negativity of the news and focus on sports. And so that's where I went.
0: Well, that, that is awesome. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm with Guy Bensing, Navy veteran who has the, uh, the blues report, the blue note fan report, the blue note fan report. Sorry about that. No problem. And he has done this show for a while. And what I mean a while, it's not been six months. It's not been two weeks. It's been years.
1: Yeah. This is my fourth season.
0: It, it, it's, it's been amazing because I, you know, we, we, I'm a little bit older than you, not by much, but I'm a little bit older than you. And we started; we all had our growing pains doing stuff. But I'm like, when you see where you've been and where you are now, and the fact that we were we're gonna do this one day, it's it's really special to have you on Oscar Mike Radio. Yeah. you know, one of the things that came clear watching you was being inducted to the, the St. Louis Blues Warriors Hockey. It, it, it was actually
1: so the the Warriors Hockey is a. Uh, part of USA hockey. That's for disabled veterans, right? Uh, this is not sled hockey. This isn't the guys on the sleds. This is, is able disabled veterans. So guys that have 10% or more, um, they're sponsored. you know, different cities have them different. They're sponsored by different teams from around the league. Um, the blues warrior program is sponsored by the blues. Um, I found out about it when they first started it. I found out about it. Um, during the last season, when they were doing some stuff with uh, where, where you couldn't have the fans in the stands and that they were allowing the warriors to go to games as as their guests. Well, one of the guy one of the warriors took a picture of himself at one of the cardboard cutouts and I noticed what he was wearing. I reached out to him and, and they were like, Oh yeah, we know who you are. Let's do an interview. Let's get it set up. Uh, they, they jumped on board and and they know that they, they know what they mean to me. And, I, I, I'm a special person to them. So I'm, well, I'm not a, a full fledged member. I've joined USA hockey. I've done all that, but I, I don't, I can't, I'm not on a team. I'm not, in, but they see me as part of their family. Um, I, I wrote an article about them and, and, and that article really the night I wrote that article, I didn't sleep right after I released it. I was so mentally and physically drained and worried that I didn't do a good job, that um, I couldn't sleep. I, I didn't get to sleep until those guys started coming out with me and telling me what they felt of the article. The guys that I interviewed and, and some of the other things. And, and then there's been a connection since then. Um, they they absolutely said you were going to get you a jersey. Uh, you have to there's usually this waiting period, but since I can't go to practices, they they set me up with a jersey when I was home in October or in August they gave it to me. And then the next practice, I broke my wrist. (laughs) Right. But, uh, I, I want to get back, you know, someday, hopefully I'll get back and I'll be a full fledged member of them. Warrior hockey to me is a chance to do some, it's wearing that, you know, officially wearing that I'm never going to wear, I'm never going to wear this. Hell, I can't even get, I can't even get the blues to recognize me as a a media member to do interviews. So I know I'm never going to wear that, but I do get to wear that. I do get the chance to show my pride, not only in the team that I've loved for decades, but in the service that I had. And, and it's a chance for me. It's it's a, In my eyes, it's a little bit of redemption. My career sucked. I, I did not have a great 20-year career, right? I, I was a first class for 10 years. E6 for 10 years could never get over the hump. I didn't do things that, you know, I have, I'm sure you can find plenty of guys that would call me a POS. And you know what? That's fine. That's, you know, it is what it is. I have to live with that. And that's a hard. sometimes that's really hard to live with. This is somewhat of my redemption for that.
0: What happened in the service happened in the service, but you've taken what happened and built this community, right? And, and people see that. People see that. And I think that, you know, to your point, that is the story here. Um, you know, look, I, I I knew people in the Marine Corps that were considered stellar Marines. They get out in the civilian world and they falter and sometimes fall flat on their faces. So just because you're, a, a, a you know, top shelf in one place doesn't mean you're going to be top shelf in another place. And it's what you do now. What you're doing now is. And it's gotta be frustrating. You know, you're you're he he, he you can tell he's a blues fan very easily, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Um, but I, I like the fact that okay, the blues haven't recognized you yet, but you are recognizable as a blues fan, a hockey team that's been around for a long time in a sport that you know goes back over a century now. Mm-hmm. And and you keep that connection alive because you know, a lot of people. You know, in New England, don't necessarily think blues when they think top-tier hockey teams. It's the Bruins, it's the the Leafs and the and the um the Hab, the, the Canadians, right? Yeah. But the Blues hold a place in NHL history. Yeah. Part of the lore, part of the story. You know, uh, Grant Fuhrer is a story in of himself. You know, that yeah. was a major thing. You know, I remember Brett Hole leaving the blues to go to the stars to win a cup, kind of like Ray Bork did. Yeah. And everybody kind of understood what was going on there, even though it sucked that the Blues couldn't get him to the promised land. That well, well,
1: well, actually, so so that th- th- there's an interesting story there. Now, first of all, Brett Hull is by, by far and above my favorite player. I've okay. met him twice. I met him once after the Gulf War. You met him because um, okay. uh, I have. I've interviewed Gary Unger, and if you if you're a hockey fan of any ilk, the first thing you got to wonder is why Gary Unger's not in the Hall of Fame, and you know exactly who Gary Unger is. Um, but Brett hole, basically his time in St. Louis war thin, Right. And, and he, he came back to him after some and said, Hey, you know, I'll accept your agreement. And they told him, you know, you know what, we're going to pull the agreement. It's off the table. And, 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 you know, he had to make a choice to go somewhere else. And, you know, it sucks that he got a cup somewhere else. It really does. And, and there's, uh, times where, you know, I wish he could have gotten the cup in St. Louis, but, St. Louis had bad owners for a long time, and even owners that tried to do good, didn't, weren't foretelling, right? They they looked at the here and now, and, and you can't look at the here and now. Sometimes you got to look to the future, and they didn't do that. Uh, we have an owner now that does do that, and because he looked to the future, nineteen happened, a- and, and that's going to go down. That's going to go down as one of the best Cup teams in the playoffs ever. Right. Um, it, it, they, they, they didn't have to go. I think it was like, what was it? Um, uh, I want to say the Kings went like 16 and two in one of their runs or 16 and four, they lost four games in the whole playoffs, but they made a run where they were not favored in any of the, um, any of the series. I don't think they were favored in any of the series yet. Here they are making this run, making this run, making this run. And, you know, you get to the second round, they were within millimeters of getting knocked out in game seven, right? Ben had a really close wraparound that just, just about, I mean, Bennington's pad slips a a, a millimeter. The puck goes in, right? It's that close. It's that close. And, you know, fate, really helped us that that and it'll be it'll be one of those one of those series that just has looked that way
0: i think i think you know the the team is definitely on its way up uh you know by virtue of chicago faltering and, and they have i mean part of it is they got old part of it is they had a lot of cap space the predators were you know yeah everybody's you know the predators are finding out this isn't just exactly like you know football uh i think this is my view. I don't know much about them, honestly, but um, you know, I think it's, I think it's, it'd be a, a good time to see the blues, you know, come back into the forefront, and and I love it. You know, as you do your show, guy, you know, technology has changed from when you and I started. I was telling somebody else, I said, man, what what you had to do to produce a show three, four, five years ago versus what you have to do now is is a lot of the heavy lifting that you know you used to, to do is gone mm-hmm. do you find the live experience easier more satisfying to do than it was when you first started no, I no.
1: actually no I don't um the the, the problem with live I, I mean it would be it would be what the problem with live is getting it out there getting it people knowing where you're at right
0: um, I'd agree yeah.
1: Yeah, that, I mean, that that's an issue. You're not on the radio. There's no, uh, I mean, it would be great if there was a podcast channel or somewhere where it would be easier. And then when you do video on top of, you know, more than audio that even make that you even narrow it. Um, I enjoyed doing the the studio style show. I, but, and, and I got better, you know, I usually got better views and things out of that, but the, the amount of time you had to put into it just didn't feel like it was. I, I didn't feel like I was getting the um, return on investment, the ROI. Um, whereas here, I have the investment and it, it's, it's during the live time. But the ROI is, while it's not numbers, it's the inner reaction. I get better interaction, but I do miss... Getting you know 150, 250, 300 people watching something you put together. I now I get maybe twenty, so it, it does have its, you know, yin and yang. It's got its it's got its positives and its negatives.
0: I I, I go back and forth because uh, that's that's kind of why I do pre recorded shows because if if when, I I like going live, I do. I mean, it's a lot of fun. But unless your audience is keyed in on that, they'll miss it. And then what'd you do all this for? Yeah. And I will admit, yeah, it's a lot of work going back on the video editor and the audio, getting in the matchup and, and and do it right. Um, it, it, there certainly there's a skill level that I kind of like. I kind of like, you know, seeing like, okay, this was all messed up, or I, yeah. you know, I'm gonna cut couple a couple of our little, you know, oopses out of here tonight, no problem but making all that work, right? But it, it is a lot of effort. But it also, I mean, look, I'm, I'm watching you start your show. I'm watching you change and morph over time. I watch the, you know, Warriors hockey thing. And the, the thing that I think that I really still connect with you on is he's doing it because he absolutely loves his subject, the blues. And he likes it when he gets people in there, because I've been a part of this and people are just interacting with you about your team, man. Well, it's
1: not just my team, because I try and bring on uh, people from other teams. I've had a Blackhawks fan, Windy City Hockey, um, on my show before a Blackhawks game, and not this one, but the last game, I was on his channel while he was doing live play-by-play. I enjoy bringing other fans on. I enjoy getting other fan bases involved, because you have to... This is one thing. This is the thing that I believe in more than anything else in the world. And it kind of goes in with what's happening in in the world today. Um, There's three sides to a story. There's my side, there's your side, and there's a truth that lies somewhere in the middle. You're never going to find that truth unless you have both sides available.
0: Well, speaking of, of truth and sides, I mean, one of the things we want to talk about tonight is what's going on in the world with, you know, Russia invading Ukraine right now. And, and it's kind of notable for hockey because the, the U.S. and other places have a lot of Russian and Ukraine players, and the KHL is a big, you know, deal over there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: How did, What's your view on this and how, not only from the military war side, but also from the, the sports fan side about What's going on in our world right now?
1: Well, first of all, I, I, people have always said that sports our do, politics doesn't belong in sports, and, and for the most part, that that's okay. I, I get it, no problem. The issue is there's times where they cross each other, and unfortunately, Alexander Ovechkin, the you know he's he's on pace, he's trying to break Wayne Gretzky's all-time goal record has on his Instagram pictures of him with has said that he supports him. And when this happens, when this happens, it's very difficult for reporters. It's very difficult for for the media. It's very difficult for the fans. It's difficult for everybody. However, if you're willing to put yourself out there, then you've got to answer the call. Um, I heard today that FIFA is no longer allowing teams from Russia or players from Russia to say that they're from Russia. You have to be the United Russian Republic or, or something like that. You know, that, that that's a joke to me, right? Those guys uh, they, tell them to play their sport and stick, stay out of politics. If you're going to be political, if you're going to support, you know, a side that is considered the bad side, you know, then we have a chance to say, you know what, maybe you need to sit for a while. However, I think it goes both ways. I don't think they should be saying anything either way. I don't, I'll be honest, I don't know enough about the situation in the Ukraine to say that what they're doing is wrong or what we're doing is wrong. I honestly don't. I I don't have the the knowledge to say that. So since I don't have the knowledge, I'm not going to put an opinion one way or the other because I don't want to find out later that my opinion was completely wrong. Right. Right. I don't know why he invaded Ukraine. There, I, I've seen, I've seen, I, man, I've seen so many different things. It's not even funny. Something from mineral rights to, I don't even want to say the other one. It was so far fetched, but, um, but that, that's how far it went. So I don't know. So in my eyes, do your sport, protect your family. And that I think is the biggest thing. Some of these guys still have family over there. And the, the prevailing thought process is that those families could be come under harm if they speak negatively. Um, one of the players, uh, uh, Neri Panarin, um, had some, you know, basically what was considered false charges laid against him by the government because he spoke against it. So I mean, I had to. He, I mean, he lost games. He lost some time because of these trumped up charges. I mean, at least they've been considered trumped up uh, charges. So I, I want to be careful. I don't know the whole side of the story, but but that's something
0: that needs to be looked at. I hope that's what you were looking for. Well, well, <laughs> well. No, I just wanted your honest take on it. You you know that there are there are other things going on because you know, unlike you know. Baseball has a lot of Latino, South American players. Mm-hmm. Uh, football primarily does not. Yeah. Um, but hockey has a lot of Russian and, you know. You European block- players. European we, players we, we do. Yeah.
1: yeah right, yeah, we, we do. Yeah. We, um, well, you look at the international scene right now, just uh, like the, the world juniors or the international hockey. Uh, Czechoslovakia is coming up. Or not Czechoslovakia. Man, that's how old I am. Uh, the I'm... Slovakia Slovakia is coming up um, the Czech Republic's coming up uh, Finland's coming up um, uh, uh, who's some of the other ones um, you know uh, the uh, you know, I, I've been to Yugoslavia I was in Yugoslavia when it was still Yugoslavia the, those countries those um, what were former Russian republics or whatever in when it comes to hockey they're coming up because for Russia in, in winter, in the winter Olympics, the hockey gold medal was the only medal. Right, right, that was it. Uh, In the Sochi games, the Russian players told you that was the only medal that they wanted. That was it. That was the only medal that Russia was worried about. They didn't care if they won every other medal. If they didn't win the gold medal in hockey, which they didn't, but that was the medal that they were concerned with. So in doing that, they used that reach of theirs to create this you know the, the ground up um hockey culture in in that area uh the KHL is 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 not a step below the NHL but it's 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 a step above our minors right and, and it is a can be a good league um really for me let the players play Right. Don't worry about the politics until it rears until it gets to that point. Right now, other than Alexander Ovechkin, I don't think it's at that point.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it just—I don't know. We we have sport to unite us. Uh, sport has been used to try to divide us too. Um, you, you know, I I I read something about the K, KHL that run very differently than the NHL. Like oh, well,
1: of- I, I mean, th- there was there there was a time when the KHL was that de- was definitely rollerball. Right. Do you, re- do you remember those movies? Rollerball?
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Right. They, they were there they were guys I remember talking to guys. I've had guys on the show that have played in the KHL. I've had former members that have told me they asked to get paid in U.S. dollars every game. Right. And then um, I don't remember which player it was he told the story and not on my show, but I I remember reading this of, he got paid in us dollars. And as soon as he walked out of the locker room, he got robbed and he got robbed by the team because they didn't have the money to pay him. Right. I I mean, but, but the KHL has gotten better. It's getting better. Um, The the KHL is going to be, it's not going to rival the NHL, but it's definitely going to help the NHL. And there's a lot of U S players that go over there and play.
0: Yeah. One thing I was going to ask you, you know, as we're winding down here is, you know, from, you know, I, I use this term loosely uh, you know, when I coach my son's hockey team, I was just a, you know, papered uh, door opener and shutter and water bottle guy. Um, You know, I stood where the defense was and got the kids on the ice and off the ice. But one thing I noticed from the USA hockey's program and, you know, I, I was told that you have to go through all the training and everything, right? Is It just seems like that USA hockey is working very hard to, to, to make sure players are developed the right way at a young age. And I didn't know if that's just you know, us doing that or is it to compete with the European nations that are, that are doing this? Or is the U.S. wanting to reassert itself as a hockey superpower again?
1: I think internationally the U S still lacks behind everybody else yeah. uh, in the world juniors. They do end up gold medal, silver medal, bronze. So they, they are coming up, but in the Worlds, we don't do so well. One of the reasons we don't do so good in the Worlds is the world's are held at the same time as the NHL playoffs. So unless the team gets knocked out in the first round, they don't have really high end NHL players over there. Right. Um. And then some of the, the higher end from other countries go, too. So it's it, it, it's a good international game. But USA Hockey really only looked at the Olympics, you know, a four-year thing. They didn't look at the juniors or the worlds as something that was important to them. What What's changed that is the women's game. The women's game has changed that. And, and now they're looking... They're starting to do what Canada's doing. I'll tell you something I wish we had here. I know we have the USHL, but it's not very big. I wish it was um, the, 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 or the US Development League. Like Canadian, the minor junior, the juniors in, in Canada, right? I would rather our guys play juniors in the US than in Canada. But right now they know if they want to get drafted or get their skill level up, they've got to go to Canada. We need to bring that to the US. We need to bring that style of game and that style of um, taking care of 18 and 19 year olds to the US. And that's what I think would really help our, our development program.
0: Well, the you know the one thing people don't understand and and I learned this the hard way is I thought well hey you know the kid can start off with town hockey and go all the way to the NHL i didn't realize that at about you know 13 14 years old a parent could sign over their child to some coach or some coaching development you know house and that's those are the kids that are really good that get picked up by all the D1 schools if they're in the US or the Canadian system and you've got to as a parent spend a ton of money to get your kid good enough to be in the nhl it's just the way it is
1: yeah that that's the one negative with hockey hockey is an expensive expensive sport right good a, a, a good skates i mean real good hockey skates three four hundred dollars
0: yeah yeah
1: sticks 100 100, 100 and a a piece you need they, four or break? five sticks
0: did they break
1: yeah um they, you need four or five sticks i have you, you you can't see it, but I have a signed Mike Hoffman stick hanging my jerseys up. You know, I got lucky with that. I have an, uh, a another stick that I use, a professional stick that I use that I got from from someone that I know connected to the Blues. But that stick is a two hundred. I mean, new is a two hundred fifty dollars stick.
0: Right, right. right?
1: Uh, the pads, the shoulder pads, they're hundred and fifty bucks. The the hockey pants, they're two hundred and fifty bucks. You wear these out. You go through them. Um, to get the ice time you know it's a hundred dollars a game yep yeah i mean you can easily be in the uh, ten thousand dollars a season yep for a junior player right no, for, no. for and i'm talking a kid you know seven eight years old ten grand right um very few other sports require that i mean the closest one would be football But football doesn't come close to 10 grand a season.
0: No, 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 it doesn't. No, it doesn't. And also, you know, I tell people that the time investment, I'm like, yes, there's some sports where you practice every day, but I mean, you know, my oldest son, when he was making his run, I had him on the ice, him, his mother, you know, we would have him on the ice four to six days a week. And that was, and and a lot
1: of the practices were for school, five o'clock in the morning, six o'clock in the morning, you
0: know, it's crazy, but. You, you know, um, it, it's amazing what 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 these what these individuals become become. Well, I, I just you know, it's taken a while, and I, and here's my promise to you guys: it's not going to be two more years <laughs> before I have you back on. No, no, oh. no. I'm thinking, I'm thinking. You know, as we go deep in the playoffs, I'm going to have to have you check back in, and definitely maybe, maybe we'll do that. Right? I, I'm yeah. promise you right now, we're gonna we're gonna have a check in during the playoffs, maybe a couple. And definitely um for the kickoff of the 2022, 2023 season, that'd yeah. be cool. Yeah, that'd absolutely,
1: cool. man. Anytime, anytime you want to do it, I'm I'm open for you, bud. And anytime you want to come on and talk hockey with me on my show, I'm open for that too.
0: Well, I, I don't know nearly the the maybe I'll get my son to join me because my <laughs> oldest is like super into it. But it's just it's just you know, it's one of those things, just to go back to the veteran angle real quick. I mean, a lot of our our fellow vets. You know, played baseball or soccer or hockey, and you know, they get out and they feel kind of like alone or isolated. And I'm trying to tell them like you're not gonna be in the NFL, but there's nothing wrong with playing a pickup game somewhere of your sport or coaching to stay involved with it and be a part of that community. And some of them are like, Yeah, that makes sense. And I just love the way that you know, not just for like I said before, man, you've been doing this for years. It just shows a real love for the game, and I really respect that guy.
1: I appreciate that. Well, with Warrior Hockey, right? Those guys, th- there's, a, there's, a, I, I, think now they've, are at 130, 140. That, that, those 30 and 40 are on a waiting list, right? I actually, I think they just started an Echo a 15, because mm-hmm. they have so much interest, right? Um, but they're a family. I mean, one of the things that I wrote about in the story was they had a guy come to a practice and another guy noticed that his, he had that look, he had that look and they pulled him aside. They stopped practice. They pulled him aside and found out, yeah, he was, he was well ready to do it. And, and they, they got him into a treatment program. They helped him out. And now that guy's a dad, oh, right? Man. He just had, he just had a, uh, a child not too long ago. And you can see that the team really helped him. Get to that next level. Right. And and that's something that you need to to remember is that us veterans, no matter what we went through, it doesn't matter if you served in wartime or peacetime. You still served and you have an understanding, you have a connection that doesn't go away. Right. Uh, One of the hardest things for me is when someone says thank you for your service. I don't know how to respond. I usually just say thank you back.
0: Yeah, that, that's kind of what I do. I, I mean, I didn't serve in combat, so it's like, all right. Um, I I'm very like, thank you, and, and don't make a big deal of it. And, and I I gotta tell you, man, the reason I do that is there was a time in our country where that didn't happen. You know, guys were spit on and and, and ostracized. So I take it with a grain a grace.
1: Yeah. No. It, it, it is. It is. It's nice to see that. I'll tell you what. I, I mean. I remember. So when I came back. When I came back from the Gulf War, I was stationed in Japan. And when we came back on the base, we were looked at as returning heroes or whatever you want to say it. But outside in town, not so much.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. There, 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 there wasn't this this feeling. Um, I was in Japan when they brought new carriers over the the protest. There, there were protests over it. There, there, there's still a lot of that, that that happens today. So you see both ends of it. Right. You see both ends of it. Um, I I know, you know, I don't look down on anybody because they didn't serve in combat. Um, And I don't look on another combat bat as an equal because I look at my combat differently. Right. Um, The guys that served in Iraq are different than guys that served, you know, in the Navy during Iraq or, or, or during that period. But the mental fortitude that you have to have, and the alertness that you're on on a daily basis doesn't matter if you in peacetime or not. It takes a toll. It really does. And, and when we understand the toll that's taken, that is when we get to that point of uh, brotherhood.
0: Well, I, I definitely you know, agree. I mean, you know, I didn't serve in combat, but, you know, it changed my life changed a lot of things that you know i did I look at things differently for sure for sure and i just like that sport kind of brings us all back i mean you know we serve together but the fact that we both like hockey and you, you know you, you do this you know brought us closer i just think that that's something that we as veterans need to embrace and i think it's something that's cool that you know we would all come from different places and you know hanging out talking about sports and football and it was just a a little slice of life that was away from all the 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 you know fast pace we had to to deal with so it's needed it's needed well so here's my promise i'm gonna look at the may june time frame to talk about hockey playoffs yep they'll be in full swing then i'm gonna have you back on when the season kicks off and definitely you know uh, i i i want to see you grow man so let's Let's make that happen any way I can help you out. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed this. I know it's taken a while. But it's <laughs> not going to be two years next time. <laughs> no, it's not, it's, it's, not, yeah.
1: no it, it's not an issue. But I remember the first show, you had posted something in 22 Until None, yeah. and you were you had someone talking about hockey, a veteran dealing with hockey on the show at that time. And I was like, hey, wait a minute, man. I'm doing the same damn thing. Don't forget about me. And that's how we connected. And and, and we've, you know, you've done, we've had our different things going on. And that's fine. But, you know, it's the fact that we made a commitment to each other. And we followed through on it. And that's what's important. It's not the time period. It's really not. It's the commitment. Right? You're committed to your show. I'm committed to my show. I'm committed to my website. uh, I'm committed to my YouTube page, my Facebook page, all of that. So, you know, you know, yeah, you know, do I make money from it? No. Would I like to? Hell yeah. Would you like to make money from yours? Hell yeah. You know, you know, but, but don't hurt it. Don't hate us for that.
0: No, no, no. I mean, and and that's, that's just the respect because I know how hard it is to keep it going over the course of years, uh, you know, so not going to be two years next time. And we just know how to make it work and uh, we'll, we'll keep on having fun, man.
1: Yes, sir. Yes, sir.
0: Well, thanks again, everybody, for watching. I'm going to have all the links to, Gary, to Guy's website and, you know, his Facebook page, all that, in the Awesome Mic Radio Show post. If you are a sports fan and if you're a hockey fan for sure, 100, you need to be subscribed to this, and maybe we can get the Blues to change their mind. On non-game days, I come on at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time
1: on YouTube, the Blue Note Fan Report. Um, I'm kind of, Facebook and me aren't getting along right now, so. but I'm also on Twitter. I've got a couple of different Twitter handles um, out there. You can, you know, if you find H-I-S-T-L Blues Fan, uh, you're probably going to find me. Um, you know, I, I love talking about the game, not just the Blues, but I just love the game in general. And it's it's a connection. And I love veterans. And I, you know, if you're a veteran out there also, I mean, I haven't said this yet. I applied to a writing workshop through um, the the Writers Guild out of Hollywood. So hopefully get that. But if you're a writer and you want to write about sports, let me know. I got a place for you. Right. Let's get your stuff out there. Let's not hit. And if you thought you could, you always wanted to write, but didn't do it. Do it. I've learned that. Get out there and write. Get out there and do the thing that you want to do. And don't let anybody tell you you can't do it. And don't let anybody stop you from doing what you love.
0: Man, I think that's the best best part of the night right here is, is you didn't care. You just went out and did it. And, you know, for me, too, I, I didn't know what I was doing at the time and just kept doing it and didn't stop. So, you know, it won't be two years when we're talking again. Well, well, I am Travis with Oscar Mike Radio. I'm with Guy Ben Singh, uh, Navy veteran, Blues hockey fan, Blues hockey man. Uh, it won't be two years next time. I'm going to say that until I believe it, and I believe it. <laughs> I just want you guys to check him out, and uh, thanks again, Guy.
1: Oh, no problem. Anytime, Travis, anytime.